0: Setbacks, small beginnings, and sacrifices. These three S's. I'm going to share with you today. Um, we just got back from an incredible trip. Um, celebrating and being with all of my husband's classmates from Harvard Business School. They had their ten year reunion. Technically, their ten year reunion would have been 2020, but because of COVID, they had to postpone it, and so it was really actually their 12 year reunion. And It was really cool because I was part of that experience. I was part of business school. Um, My husband and I were married for about four years when um, we moved from Hawaii to freezing cold Boston. And um, my husband was there for two years to get his MBA at Harvard and he graduated top 10% of his class. Yes, I had to give that little plug. He's super smart. Um, And I'm just super proud of him. And it was really cool going back this time because we went back five years on his five year reunion, and I felt like people were still trying to figure out their place in this world. Um, they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. Some of them were just, you know, just then getting married. Um, some were still on the career path, um, and I felt like coming back now twelve years later, there were so many people that I got to connect with that I remember, you know, that were in his section and went to his school and. Um, just hearing where they're at now in their life. And I think COVID actually helped a lot of them just kind of get back to what's important to them. And a lot of them have made a lot of different moves out of jobs and to find something that gives them more purpose. I thought that was pretty cool. That was kind of the theme actually was a lot of people shared how, you know, it was great getting the, you know, the McKenzie job or the, you know, whatever these kind of great, big, huge company jobs, getting the huge, big paycheck. But then, you know, during COVID, it kind of evaluating their life and kind of looking at what they wanted and how do they wanted to you know, live out their next, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. It was, they wanted to have something that was meaningful. Um, obviously they wanted a good paycheck to pay for their bills. Um, but they wanted something that was making a difference. And that was, that was a meaningful and purposeful job. And I thought that was really cool. And I got to have a lot of cool conversations and I'll share about a couple of those maybe at the end, but I really want to share with you guys today. Um, as I was, I was on the airplane, um, flying back home the other day and, was thinking about like what kind of podcast, what kind of message I want to share with you all. And I think it's the one truly that I share with my kids. And um, I'll, I'll share a couple of things at, at the end of this um episode of just kind of some cool stories that came out of that weekend that we had um, with you know different individuals and, and conversations but I really want to share like these three S's I want to share about sacrifices like the sacrifices that my husband and I made um, the, the very small beginnings um, we got to share show our kids where we lived um, and and the setbacks and, and that we purposely did a setback. And I want to share this with you because I started to, you know, think about these three S's and this was the season that we did all that. We did the small, we did the, we did the step back and we did the major sacrifices. If I'm being honest, I did more of the sacrificing than my husband did. Um, And I'll share about that in just a sec. But when we brought our kids this time, the last time we did not because they were still, they were still pretty little. But this time they were eight and 10. And so it was really fun to show them Boston and to show them, you know, my husband got to show them, you know, his school, which is this like crazy, insane campus. Um, the Harvard Business School campus. If you've never been to Boston and seen the campus, it's stupid, ridiculous. Like they got a barista on campus. They got a full cafe. I mean, it's just, they have a sushi bar, like for real. They have a sushi bar. It's like legit. It's, it is it is Harvard. <laughs> um, and that was a really cool experience. But then we got to walk like where, you know, we lived off campus. A lot of kids, a lot of kids, a lot of students, they're not kids, they're, they're in their 20s <laughs> when they go to school. Um, a, lot of, a lot of students, they live on campus or they live in dorms near the campus because um, a lot of them weren't married. But because Matt and I were married, we kind of wanted to have our own little space in life. So we lived on the other side of the um, Charles River. And so he would walk to school, which is about a mile. That doesn't sound like a lot. But when it's freezing, but cold outside, it's a lot. So he would ride his bike um, to get there faster. <laughs> he would ride his bike over to, the, over to the campus. But here's the deal, okay? So if you don't know anything about Boston, it's basically 10 months out of the year, it's butt cold. Like six months out of the year, it's butt, butt cold, like below zero. Oh my God, you're gonna die. And then the rest of like the four months is like, it's just freezing super cold. And then it's just super hot and humid for like two months. And then you're back to like butt freezing cold. <laughs> That's the Boston weather. And... I did not know this. So I am from California originally, and then I moved to Hawaii, and I love warm places. So then we go to Boston, and I'm like, what the heck is wrong with this place? Like, this is insane. And my husband, when he would walk over to Harvard Business School, once he got to the school, everything is underground. Yes. So all they have all these tunnels that are underground. So when he got to the campus, like, he could just go underground tunnels to, like, the next building, you know, across the campus, he didn't have to go outside. So at the time I was a hair stylist and I worked in a salon the first year. I actually, I worked in a salon in town. So I would have to walk, I would walk like four or five blocks down to the bus stop. And then I would ride the bus with all the homeless people down to the uh, salon. And then I would walk five blocks down to the salon. And this was when it was freezing cold outside, snowing, raining. I mean, I had, I would show up sometimes to work soaking wet because of the huge potholes that Boston has. People would, you know, ride by or a bus would drive by. And then all this water would, I was like, come all over me. And I would literally have to just dry my hair at the salon. It was, it was insane. So when we moved I want to talk about sacrifices. I want to start with the first S, sacrifices. When we decided this, we were in Hawaii. My husband was a naval intelligence officer in the Navy. And he had a great job. It was obviously, it was a cushion job because he, you know, we got paid every single year. Um, you know, because he was, he, was in the, he was in a government job. And when we, it was coming up to like, okay, is he going to make a career out of the Navy? And we had already decided when we first got married that like we were not going to raise a family in a Navy life. I am grateful. And I give mad credit to the people that do because it is hard. And I just, I just don't want to raise a family in that. So, and my husband, whenever he had downtime, he was always reading about investment books and finance and all that. So that was like his true passion. And so I knew like, that's what he needed to pursue and do. So I'll never forget. We're sitting there at the kitchen table we lived on the water in Hawaii. Okay. I had just built up an incredible business of doing hair and makeup for weddings. And then I was working for Lost, the TV show, and doing hair and makeup for all the extras on the show. So I had a sweet gig. I was making good money. We had no kids. It was it was an epic life. We would go hiking up into the, you know, the waterfalls in Hawaii. We'd hop islands to Maui to I mean it was just like this cool, like super kick-ass life. And I remember sitting there at the kitchen table and talking about my husband's next step, what his next career move is, and, you know, te- stepping into the business space. And I told him, I said, I know you want to go to the top school. Like, you you have the ability to go to a top business school. You should do it. And we knew it was going to be a sacrifice because he was no longer going to get paid because he was going to completely cut off from the military, I no longer was going to get paid because I was no longer going to be a hairstylist there or work for lost. So we were going to go to a zero income household and just live on school loans. And we didn't want to tap into our savings because we didn't have much. We were just married, freshly married. Um, We'd only been married for a few years and we had just started to build up our savings. And so we was like, hey, if we're going to do this, we're only going to live on (laughs) $20,000 for the year. And we're, we're going to do it. Like, you know, that's the sacrifice we're going to make. And I seriously, like, it was so hard for me in that moment to, I knew it was the best for my husband, but I knew it was going to be a huge sacrifice for me, for both of us, honestly, but it was going to be a huge sacrifice for me. And I'm sharing this because we were talking to our boys about the sacrifices that you make sometimes and sacrifice that you make as a family and as a spouse unit for the other person's dream. And my husband and I have done several times where it's like a piggyback, like, okay, tag, you're it time for me to make the sacrifice so that you can go pursue your career. And then my husband's done the same for me. He's like, okay, I'm going to make the sacrifice. I'm not going to sit on these boards. I'm not going to do this. So I can have the time to watch the kids so you can go and pursue and build your business. So we've taken turns, um, in our marriage, like in the last, we've been married for almost 18 years, of sacrifices, knowing that that sacrifice was going to set up that person and, and, and pursue their dreams and their passions. And so we made that sacrifice. He applied to the top five business schools, got into Harvard, and here we are. Setbacks. We knew this was gonna set us back, but we knew it was going to, and I, I told my kids this. I said, it's like an arrow. The further back the arrow you pull, the further it goes. Right. And so we knew like, boom, no more income, you know, from both my husband and I. And then we knew like, okay, we're going to, we're going to sell everything. So we sold our vehicles. We sold mostly all of our furniture and we moved from this beautiful home on the water to a 400 square foot house. Yes. This little tiny condo like little. I'm talking when you took a pee, like you couldn't even, you had to like tilt your, like when you peed, you literally, when you sat on the toilet, you had to like turn your legs like a little bit to the left because on the right side was this radiator, which I had didn't know like existed, but they still have these actually in like the East Coast, these radiators that literally it would fry your legs because it was such a small bathroom. And there was no counter space. It was just a sink. It was just this tiny sink in this little tiny shower. And this little tiny kitchen with a little microwave stove. I mean, it was just, it was so stupid small. It was ridiculous. And we, we got that because it was two grand a month just to rent this sucker. I mean, Cambridge was so stupid expensive. And it turns out, you guys, we looked um, the market for now, 12 years later, it, that place rents for five grand. Isn't that insane? I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so we showed our boys, we, like, we were like, this was what we lived in. Like, this is the sacrifices that were made. And then this is the step back that we, we, we purposely did knowing that it was going to propel us forward. And so I'm sharing this with you because maybe you're in a setback or maybe you're like, oh, I, I feel like I need to quit my job and I need to go and do this. And it's not going to make as much money, but it, it, may, it may propel me into the next season, the next thing, the next stepping stone that I want for my life. And that was what we thought. It was like, okay, this is going to set us back for a couple of years. Like this is going to be rough. It's going to be a sacrifice. It's going to set us back because we're not going to be making any money. We're not going to be financially getting ahead, but it will propel us forward. And so I I looked at it as like, this is an arrow and we're going to pull this arrow as far back as we can as a setback because we know that doing this sacrifice now and having this setback right now, it's going to take this arrow way further than if we hadn't done the sacrifices and the setbacks. And so We are telling our kids, you know, there's going to be times in your life where you're going to feel like, man, this is, this sucks. Like, I don't like this season that I'm in, or I don't like this job that I'm in, but I've told my boys, I said, the best thing that your dad and I have done is in every season, it's like, how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? And what is God preparing me for that next season? And I love the story of Joseph, and I've shared my story of Joseph several times here on my podcast, but... You know, Joseph, he had many setbacks before God gave him his purpose and his vision and his dream, which was to be second in command, right? But for a few times, it looked like, uh, what? Like, what's going on? Like, God, I'm now like being sold into slavery from my brothers and now I'm in prison for something I didn't even do? Like, what the heck, right? So there's going to be seasons and times in your life where you're like, I don't see how this is preparing me for what I envisioned the dream that I had for myself. And so we are telling our you know our boys, we're like, we knew that this was something that was going to launch us ahead. And and the small beginnings. So we share with our boys, you know, we're living now in like in this beautiful home and it's big and it's got a backyard and it's got five bedrooms and seven bathrooms and it's brand spankin' new. And 12 years ago, like this was just like, <laughs> like I could only dream of it, but there's no, you know, it was, it was a little bit, I could dream of it, but it was like, man, like times are rough right now. And I was sharing with my boys, my life in Boston and how I had to rise above the smallness around me. And and the smallness around me of the small house and the small amount of money that we were making. And this was in 2008, you guys. This was when the economy completely crashed. So no one was getting their haircut. No one was getting anything. I mean, no one was buying anything. Like the the economy was awful. And so it was just, the that experience for me was so hard. Like not having a vehicle anymore, relying on public transportation, um, this is the whole thing. I didn't have any friends, right? Like I moved away from all my friends, everything that I know. Um, I had no idea about public transportation, like an underground railway train and a bus. And we didn't have any money to take a taxi. There was no Uber at the time, but so we didn't have money to take a taxi. Like I had to walk everywhere. And so we walked, we showed our boys like my route. Um, we showed them how I would take the train. And then from the train, I would walk to our house, which is about a mile away. And our boys got to the house, right? And they were like, mom, that's really far. And I was like, okay, but it's like 60 degrees outside. Imagine it being 30 degrees, 20 degrees. And you're also carrying a backpack of all of your stuff because that's how you have to live is out of your bag. And you're carrying around like two big grocery bags full of like eggs or a little bit of, you know, whatever we could afford. um, And walking my groceries to my house because there was no Instacart at the time we couldn't afford it anyways because we lived on 100 dollars a week in groceries. So I would take that 100 dollars and I remember like weighing my apples, making sure I had just the amount of the apples that I needed because I knew that I was only going to spend 100 dollars. It was really hard. And we share with our boys this, you know, because they don't they didn't live that life because they weren't around and they see the life they have now and I said to them you're going to have small beginnings. Like you're going to have small things. You're going to have, or you're in a life where you're having your setbacks, you're making the sacrifices and you're in your small. But if you can get your dream on and visualize and begin to see your life bigger, begin to see what life could be like and that your season that you're in, you're learning and growing and what, what you're learning and what you're growing in the season that you're in, it can propel you so far, like so far. And I'll share my husband's side and then I'll share about me. As far as my husband goes, the Harvard stamp is legit. Like it basically, you say you went to Harvard and they're like, you're automatically smart and accepted. (laughs) So yeah, it was a really expensive two years and it was a lot of sacrifices and small beginnings and setbacks that were made, but it literally has propelled my husband to be in a partner in a firm. And all kinds of other things that he's had along the way. And so yes, is, it, did it, is, are, is what I'm saying correct? Like, did it really help you have that arrow and really propel you forward for his life? Yes, 100%. But I wanna share with you about me and I wanna kind of end here. So I didn't go to Harvard Business School, like technically, right? <laughs> like I didn't attend as a student. I didn't even go to college. You guys know my story. Here's what I did though. So my second year, our second year there, um, I just was done working at the salon. I was like, I don't want to work at the salon anymore. I don't want to have to do this commute. This is ridiculous. I'm building a clientele, and if I do build a clientele, we're leaving in a year anyways for wherever. So I don't want to have to do that. But there is a giant clientele here at the business school. So what I did is I talked to um one of the guys at the business school who's really good about like, he's like, he was like the president basically of like Harvard Business School, like of the student, he had a way of like contacting everybody. So I reached out to him and I said, Hey, I have a question. What if I put like an email together that you could put in everybody's cubby box or something and let everyone, every student know at the business school and their spouses or significant others that I can come to them and cut their hair. Like I charge, I'll charge cash. I'll come into their dorms. I'm like I'll walk with my I'll walk with Matt over to the business school I'll go to all their dorms and I'll cut everybody's hair I'm like I'm sure they're all looking for a hairstylist I'll just come to them so he sends his email out and puts them all in their cubbies. And the thing takes off. Like, it's genius, right? So I pack up my scissors and everything in my backpack. I walk with Matt over to the school. I basically cut hair all day. They have, like, little study groups. Like, five or six guys would be in a study group. And one by one, I would cut all the guys' hair. Like, taking them out of their, like, study group. And they go back into their study group. And I cut another guy's hair. It was awesome. They had a poker night one time. And, like, I went in and, like, cut everybody's hair. It was so fun. But here was what was so cool about it is... I got to meet basically all the students of Harvard Business School. Like, I didn't just cut my husband's section. Like, there's all these sections at the class, and I cut everybody's hair. I was cutting the wife's hair, their girlfriend's. I mean, I was literally cutting so many people's hair, and I was having these really cool conversations. I was learning so much from these students, and it began to – I didn't know this at the time, but – because I took that time to go and cut all their hair, they began to make me dream really big. And a lot of them wanted to be entrepreneurs. A lot of them wanted to go and start their own thing, do their own thing. And they were talking about how like, they're like, ah, I don't even need a hard of degree. Like I just, and this is what they said. A lot of them would say, I am just so excited to connect and meet other like-minded people to go do epic shit. And I'm like, that's amazing. And something, there was one gal, she was like, one gal, I can't remember her name. She's Indian. And she said, what I have loved the most about Harvard Business School is every time I walk into a room, I am not the smartest person in the room. And I remember, seriously, I can remember her face. And I'm so, I wish I could remember her name. But she was like, I love that I can walk into a school, walk into a classroom at Harvard Business School, and I am not the smartest girl in the room. And this is what she said at the very end. She said, "Because if you're ever the smartest person in the room," and she looked at me and she goes, "Girl, you're in the wrong room." And I'm like, "Because you can, because you, you can't learn." She's like, "Exactly." And that stuck with me. I didn't know how much that stuck with me until I became an entrepreneur. So. After like getting all this goodness from these people, and you know what's so cool, you guys, on a side note? So five-year reunion and now this 12-year reunion, I still had tons of people come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, you cut my hair and it still was the best haircut I've ever had? That was amazing. I'm like, that's awesome. So like I became not like, oh, you know, Matt's wife, but I became like Natalie the hairstylist, like on the campus. It was the coolest. So um, when we you know, like, you know, fast forward, when we went back to Hawaii, I was like, what do I want to do? What do I want to, you know, what do I love? What am I passionate about? And so that's when I started to build my own business of doing hair and makeup for weddings. Everyone gets married in Hawaii, like every single day of the week. And so I started to build my own business through that. Through that, Okay, so through that building my own business and realizing like what an entrepreneur looks like and building your own thing, it was when I realized, like, you know, I remember a lot of them talking about having money work for you, not you working for the money. And I was like, that always stuck with me. I heard so many conversations when I was cutting people's hair. I would hear like poker night and study groups and all that. Like, how do we get our money to work for us and not us working for the money? And what that meant is, like, how do you make money while you sleep? Like, get a residual income, get income for not your time that you're putting into it, but for building something that's actually making you money. And I was, I had a business, obviously. My skill set was that when I did hair, I made money. And so, it was when I started to look at like building a business that made you money. And that's when I first got into direct sales and discovered that business. And that's actually what ultimately led me to be able to replace my husband's income. And then since then, we've, been, we've built our health and fitness business that's residual income. People can just go and buy our fitness program and then they get the six-week course access to it for life. And so every single little, you know, when I look back, so when I was reflecting on the airplane these last 12 years for myself... I was like, wow, having that step back, small beginnings and sacrifices that were made in that season for my husband completely catapulted him in his career path. But you know what it did for me? It catapulted me too. Because for the first time in my life, I was around the smartest people, honestly, in the world. And they infused in me belief, vision, And what it looks like to really get your vision and dream on for what you want. And that catapulted me like nobody's business. And something that has stuck with me and what's so interesting is I share with you about the gal that said, I love going into, I love, what I love the most is that I can walk into the room and I'm not the smartest person in the room. So when we were there for the 12 year reunion, someone said that, I actually think it was the professor and their professor came in for their, well, you know, their, their section kind of had like a, they got together in their classroom and everyone kind of did a recap, like a minute and a half recap of what's been going on with them in the last 12 years. And then their professor came in at the end, kind of shared what he's been doing and then um kind of wrapped up the, the session. But I think that he was the one that he said, you know, what's, what's so amazing about Harvard Business School is that. You can always learn because you're never the smartest person in the room. And, you know, and I kind of, you know, people were kind of like nodding their head and it brought me back to when that gal said that. And I thought, how many people are out there that they walk into a room and they don't, they get uncomfortable if they're not smart or they don't, they get uncomfortable if they're not the most confident or they're not the most put together or the most at blah, 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 blah whatever, you know, in that arena that they're in, that they're not the best at. And I, I really hope, like when I, I want to wrap up this, um, this episode with you with this, I really hope that you get to a place in your life where you're super comfortable being uncomfortable. Let's say it one more time. That you are comfortable being uncomfortable that you're comfortable being not the smartest, not the best, not the brightest, not the best at whatever it is that you're, you know, all of these people around you are. Here's what I learned, especially in when we went back to the reunion and I was we had this dinner um, at the in the in in the evening and I was talking to a few of the the people you know that were there, some of his classmates, and talking about just different business ventures that they've on and different things that I've done. And one thing that I have learned and that I really love doing is asking really good questions. And what I would encourage you to do is when you're in a room and you kind of feel uncomfortable, like, you know what, I'm not the smartest, take that as the most coolest challenge to go and ask the people around you really cool and good questions and gain insight and wisdom from those people. It's the best room to be in when you are not the smartest, because it's where you will learn. It's where you'll learn. Make the sacrifices. Make the sacrifices now for your vision and for your dream. Otherwise, it's your dream that gets sacrificed. Remember that. If you don't sacrifice now, For the things you want, ultimately, it's the dream that gets sacrificed because you'll never fulfill it because you never did the sacrifices necessary to go after it. You may need to start small, you may need to have small beginnings where you're maybe on a budget. You may have to put yourself on a budget. So that you can save so that you can get the things that you want so that you can invest in the things that you want to get for your vision and for your dream and you may have times in your life where those those, those small beginnings and the sacrifices and and the setbacks that you're going to have it may come at a cost in the moment, but remember it's an arrow and remember. All of those small beginnings, all those setbacks and all the sacrifices, all of those things that you're, that, you're, that you're pulling that arrow back, it propels you further. The further back you pull the arrow, the further the arrow goes. So catapult your life by making the small beginning sacrifices and things necessary now so that the dream ultimately doesn't get sacrificed.